0: I'm Morgan Tioka.
1: This is the Challenge Her podcast.
0: This is the Challenge Her podcast. Hey team, it's Morgan Tioka here from the Challenge Her podcast. I have a special guest with me today, Vani Palite, who's our dual Olympian rugby sevens player. How are you, Vans? Good, thanks. Um, I've asked Vani, so she's been coming into Project One Hundred and Eighty. And she was recently on a podcast with Glen Azar, who you know is my mentor and someone we always speak very highly of. Um, And they had a really amazing chat just about Barney's experience sort of getting into sevens and then like going through the system, some of the current sort of changes and battles she's going through. But we'll sort of try and do a bit of a short summary of that. So then you can go back and listen to Glenn's because I just think that the way it, the discussion when it's a really quality podcast to listen to and then um you can come back to ours which would be really cool so vans how did you get into the sport
1: so i grew up playing a little bit of rugby league down at the local club at deception bay and then from there obviously girls stopped playing contact sport against boys at the age of 12 so i got into touch footy played that all through the age of 12 to 18 made my first um International side and went to New Zealand, played for Australia over in the Trans Taz over there. And then in my final year of school, 2012, the Olympics announced that Rugby Sevens was going to debut in 2016 in the Rio Games. So my family forced me to go down and give Rugby Sevens a crack, and I loved it. We put in a school team, we played, did really well, and I got selected to trial for the Queensland Reds team there. And I was successful, went on to play. Down at the Gold Coast against the other states, and then made it through to the Youth Olympic Festival. And so we played down in Sydney. We won that, and that was my first international sevens um, opportunity that I had. And then from there, the sevens coaches at the time for the Australian side were there watching us, and they nominated me to come up and have a run against the current women's sevens national side in Kajurina, just over the other side of the border. Um, and then just from there, I cemented my spot into the team. Awesome, and that's been how many years? So that was in two thousand and thirteen. so this will be my I think eighth
0: year eighth year in yeah. the system. And from what I listened to with Glenn, so many amazing things have come out of it uh with Rio, obviously, um which I'm so jealous of going over to uh South America. I would love to go over there, but you didn't really get to see much, hey? It was sort of in the camp or you did get to see a fair Um, bit? So
1: we were lucky. So we have a World Series tournament and one of the legs pre the Rio Games was Sao Paulo over in Brazil. So when we went over to Sao Paulo in 2015, they took us to Rio for a week afterwards Um, so that we could do kind of all the touristy things we did the Christ the Redeemer we did everything over there just so we got that out of our system so that by the time we did go back to Brazil we were able to just solely focus on the Olympics
0: what's been your favorite like destination just I don't know maybe by its beauty or something that's happened that you've been able to go to and you're just like wow that was an amazing experience
1: I love okay if I was to go off the footy and the atmosphere because everyone knows that sevens tournaments like the atmosphere is pretty electric it's always fun there's dress-ups good music I'd have to say Dubai like Dubai is going to be one of my favorites um but Canada is beautiful like I'd love to go back we're not on the main island of Canada when we go over and play oh, okay. so I'd love to go over to the main island in Vancouver where the boys play yeah. Yeah. and explore there because it's really beautiful Yeah I've never been either but I've heard
0: such incredible things about Canada and the snow season and all that sort of stuff like Lake Louise and Yeah. yeah that would be so amazing. Do you think that's like the one of the I guess like one of the key factors that makes you go man I absolutely love doing it is just those opportunities where you sort of get off the plane in a new country and you have those moments where you get to go just wander the streets and you're like wow like this is a pretty cool experience.
1: Yeah, we are very lucky that our competition is international. So we get to travel to some really cool places around the world. Um, and then we were lucky enough that we were able to have one in our own hometown because everyone who's a professional athlete knows there's nothing better than playing on home soil. But the fact that we get to travel and go to so many different places around the world, that's pretty pretty amazing.
0: And eight years being so out of Sydney, right? So eight years away from family is everyone up here? Yeah. yeah. That would have been – that's – That's full on because what what age were you when you went down?
1: I moved out of home at 18 and moved down to Sydney by myself. So that was really daunting. Yeah, wow. But I've loved it. Like being back home, like I love being home to visit my family, but I've enjoyed the freedom Yep, and like becoming so independent. When you got
0: down there, was there any, like, key sort of friend or family member um, that you would be like, oh, I really appreciated them at the time because you were just sort of so new to moving out and being by yourself?
1: I was really lucky. I had one aunt down in Sydney and an uncle and they had a baby. So I could go and visit them, but I don't know if people who listen, know Sydney very well. So I was on the northern end of Sydney and they were on the southern end. So to get from one end to the other was at least an hour and a half, two hours. It's crazy. I think we take it for granted here because everyone says,
0: everyone that's come up, you know, from Sydney has just been like, it takes you like 10 minutes. And here we are like, oh man, it's going to take me 10 minutes to get over there. (laughs) They're like, don't go to Sydney.
1: (laughs) It's the worst. But I was also really lucky when I moved out of home that The men's manager at the time, Luca, his family were relocating from the Gold Coast as well and he had a really young family, had a wife and three kids and one of them was a newborn fresh out of the womb. And so they saw an opportunity with everyone relocating that there might be some people like myself fresh out of home who might need a little bit of help. So they rented out this massive house and they took in myself and three of the men's who were fresh out of home as well. And we were lucky we were all Polynesian at the time. So we all had very similar um, values and morals. So it was a really fun house. Because what's your
0: heritage?
1: My mum's side of the family is Samoan. And dad's
0: Australian? Dad's Australian.
1: Yeah. I always forget to add that in. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, he's Aussie.
0: Yeah, my dad's moldy and my mum's Australian. They're like, oh, your surname, like you're Moldy. And I'm like, oh, how do I explain this? I'm extremely white and very yeah. much brought up right in Brisbane. But I love my heritage. I yeah. wish I had more of a connection, like I sounded a bit (laughs) Islander or something, but nothing, nothing has transferred over into me.
1: (laughs) Pretty much plastic. Yeah,
0: that's what the kids use today. Yeah, Yeah, I was laughing about that. Um, So down in Sydney, eight years there, what would you say was some of the, I guess, the biggest, let's, let's like, if we go through like, you know, the, diff- the well-being sort of wheel and you got your mental, your physical, your emotional, what would you say was the area that really challenged you the most?
1: Uh, I'd probably say when I was young, when I was first moving out of home and I was only 18, the physical side was really hard. Yep. So when I was really, really young, I wasn't my fittest back then and I always knew that was going to be a barrier. People told me that growing up, that I had all the natural talent in the world but I need to be a bit fitter. Um, So that was hard, being in my first year full-time professional and not knowing what to expect and being pushed to my limits. But then as the years went on, that obviously changed. I got fitter, I got faster and stronger. And then it was definitely the emotional side of things.
0: In the last sort of, would you say that, like the last
1: four or five years? Yeah, I'd probably say from Rio onwards. Yep,
0: just emotionally draining. Yeah. Sort of dealing with everything um and and then you tried uh went back to rugby league just for the stint yep. last year with the warriors yep. and loved that experience
1: yeah it was honestly one of the best things I could have done It's like just for myself to personally grow and then just to go and experience what it's like to be part of a group that's culturally accepting of you
0: definitely and with the girls um because a lot I've met a lot of the warriors girls they have this real capability to just sort of open up and let anyone in and just completely allow you to embrace their culture and they want you to get around it whether yeah. you are Samoan, Tongan, Australian it, it wouldn't matter but um, would you say like that just gave sort of was a huge positive impact on you when you went and spend time with them?
1: Yeah I last year was one of my toughest years in rugby Um, I kind of lost myself a little bit. I dealt with a lot at the start of the year and then the pandemic hit. Um, So that was really hard trying to find myself in the middle of all of that happening. Then the Olympics got postponed and that took a toll on a lot of us players deciding whether, you know, we were going to do a whole nother year just to get to the Olympics um, training day in, day out without any certainty of games, which is really tough for us because we play six, seven tournaments a year um so then when the opportunity came up to go and play for the Warriors I couldn't say no um that was a conversation I had to have with rugby and at the start it was a bit hard they weren't quite sure but then in the end they were really supportive of it and it was honestly one of the best things I could have ever done.
0: What were some of the key things like you said the cultural side was definitely something that you know made you see why you Love playing and being around a group of teammates. What were some of the other things you liked about sort of just having something different in your life at the time?
1: Yeah, so I found a whole new group of friends. So in Sevens, like when I moved out of home down to Sydney, and when you're full time contracted, that means that you can't go out and play social footy. You can't go and, you know, do things outside of rugby where there's a risk of injury. And when you grow up, like, that's where you meet all your friends is going down to the local park and playing some touch or joining a netball club or something like that. And down there, I couldn't have that. So all the people that I knew down in Sydney were all rugby sevens players. And I didn't have a group outside of that. So for seven years, like, I didn't really have anyone I could turn to aside from my one aunt and uncle down there. Yep. Um, so when I found a new group of friends that were down there because there were girls from the Gold Coast and Sydney and New Zealand pulled into that team. It was really nice to have another group of friends.
0: Yeah, definitely. And when you look at sort of the Australian Rugby Sevens women and the culture there, would you say there's like, you know, a disconnection uh, culturally?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Just like is it because there's no sort of foundation that's been set from the get-go, do you think?
1: Yeah, we definitely haven't got a cultural foundation set there um, it's something that we've been trying to work on, but nothing's fully stuck. And I just think that comes down to people not wanting to buy into it.
0: Definitely. And like the well, it, it must take such a toll on your well being, and especially the young ones coming through. I mean, when you come into something, anything, it doesn't have to be rugby. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be sport. But if it's that whole, you know, umbutu theory of um, if I see you succeed, I succeed. And having that understanding and foundation in business or in sport. But it's like if if we can't have that as our base, how are people capable of buying in or putting themselves out there to give their best and to take risks? It's like it's physically impossible.
1: Yeah,
0: It's really interesting. Yeah,
1: because one of the things I loved at the Warriors, in my first day there... I remember sitting around and I didn't know everyone. So there was 24 girls in the room and I knew Elia. And that was the only person I knew in the room. I knew of people but not well enough to like feel comfortable to go and start a conversation with them. And one thing that I'll never forget was at the end of that day, Brad, the coach, turned around and said, don't you rock up to training tomorrow unless you know everybody's name in here. So go around and make an effort to have a conversation with everyone. And I really liked that because I was just saying to you off air, like this year I went to my coach at Sevens and said, look, why are we learning so much and doing analysis on girls in other countries when I don't even know a lot of the girls in my own team?
0: Definitely.
1: So I feel like the tone that Brad set on day one in the Warriors just lifted where we were from that stage. And, you know, we went to the first training day and everyone knew everyone's name. And that's pretty hard to do after only meeting everyone 24 hours beforehand.
0: hundred percent. That's like, that's studying. That's putting yeah. in effort. But that effort just sets this huge these pillars of I care enough to know who you are and that's that first step of trust like we were talking about before off-air and I I agree with you. Do you think that like that's something that if we were to – if they started to sort of really put forward effort and a good attitude and a shift in sevens, it would just flourish?
1: Look, I'd hope so but I haven't seen it yet so I can't say for sure. Yeah,
0: Definitely. It's a really interesting space because people haven't listened. I spoke to Kiri Lingman who used to be uh, in the Wallaroos squad and we love rugby. Like it could be sevens, it can be fifteens. We love the game. But you're seeing this huge gap just getting wider and wider and wider between what our sport is to women in sport and what NRLW is doing, what AFLW is doing and the gap is getting wider and wider and wider. And... There's no huge change happening. People, I just see people talking about it and then I see people rushing in the rugby space going, oh, what, what can we do? And it's just like, how about you all just put a lot of time and effort into it for a short period of time and you probably could see some huge changes happen quickly.
1: Yeah, and I think for us that's probably been the hardest thing is watching us have so much success in Rio by winning a gold medal and we were at the top of our like at the top of the world there you know women's we put women's rugby sevens on the map people knew about it new players and rugby sevens didn't leverage off it or rugby australia didn't leverage off it they just kind of acknowledged that it was there and just hoped that you know girls would pick up a footy just because they saw us succeed but then nothing happened from there
0: definitely i mean coming out of because i obviously teaching at a school where girls are playing rugby sevens now like you guys set such an incredible foundation for the game for women and our young girls aspire to play rugby sevens they watch the game they watch you guys and they're just so in awe of what you can create how fun it looks just that real attacking fun footy you know that you play in the backyard it's like you can replicate it on a big field and how cool but then they're getting to that point where they go okay well um what's the next step and because nrlw is just they are just driving it so much i know that they have their challenges at the moment but it's it's so in your face it's everywhere it's being promoted everywhere our girls are going oh oh i'll just do league yeah and that's where we're losing them
1: yeah but they're also getting a lot of support from the nrl to do that where i spoke with glenn the other day and they are right like Rugby, rugby Australia genuinely only care about 15s. Like, that's the traditional sport is men's 15s. So, you know, we're not even men, but we're not even 15s players. Like, we're women's seven. So how do we get them to see us on an equal playing field as their Wallabies men?
0: It's a space where they need to grow and quickly yep. before they lose all the girls. I guess coming back to you being in the system for a long period of time, if you had a young girl coming into the program now, and you just had an hour with them uh, to give them life lessons or just advice. What would be some key things that you would try and I don't know talk to them about or tell them to just help them sort of get in, you know, into a, a good mental space to deal with, you know, the current culture which you know isn't where it should be. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. Looking back in the last few years, the girls that they've contracted, a lot of them were really young and like me and had to move out of home and that's interstate for a lot of these girls so I know looking at a lot of the young girls in our squad currently they're missing home so I think we need to build an environment for them where they come in and they feel like they're in a home space and so whether that's putting them up with some of us girls in houses or things like that so I tell them to make sure they've got this avenue where when they leave rugby that there's somewhere that feels like home for them. But then I'd also really encourage them to seek an outlet where rugby's not their be all and end all, that they've got this friendship circle outside of rugby so that, you know, when things aren't feeling great at rugby or they're not super happy there, that they've got somewhere else to go that's fun for them. Yeah. I missed, I liked having that, you know, rugby was everything that I knew back at an 18-year-old fresh at a home. And, you know, I look at these young girls coming in, if they don't have that outlet, like... There's nothing else for them down in Sydney. They don't have family. They won't have friends. So they need to have that avenue outside of rugby where they feel like they can flourish if they're not doing that in the sevens environment.
0: Definitely. I think I also, I look at, and I was saying this before, but um, I think there is a huge issue currently with our young girls coming through and their lack of understanding around who they are. And then that, the flow on effect is unfortunately that they're constantly in this space where they think they've got to prove and validate themselves on a consistent basis and they validate themselves through um, social media, the way they look, um, the way they're perceived by others rather than understanding what their values are and I worry currently for, you know, the young ones sort of coming through into the system because like even at, you know, in Queensland, the Sevens Girls that I've been around, they they're so out to prove themselves at times because obviously they're dealing with their own lack of self-identity or insecurities that it starts to play a huge effect on the culture of the group yeah it's yeah
1: yeah it's really evident and it happens a lot in our team too like you know girls are constantly on their phones and it's a big issue in our team where we've had to turn around and go okay phones are banned at certain times of training or during tournaments and things like that because girls spent like, and that's the world that we're in now, like it's tech, technology driven and yep. everything's online and girls seek so much validation and I, I find that really hard to watch because I'm not someone who's ever been someone that needs to be validated by Instagram likes, yep. but I see how these young girls are and that's the world that they live in and how do you change that or how do you get them to see? Because I did a, um, what would you call I did a project, you could kind of say with um a me- I call him a mentor Siona Falmoina he is an ex NRL player yep. and I did an a project with him where he got me to do my whole life journey and it wasn't until at the end where he goes well what did you learn about it and I turned around and said well I learned that I'm not just a footy player because in my story like I wasn't just talking about footy the whole time I talked about my family and my upbringing and things like that and those were what built my identity and only rugby is just a little part of it. And I don't think a lot of these young girls do enough of that stuff to work out that their identity is not based around footy.
0: I th- the evidence might be, and this is um, something I'm not sure of, but um, how do the injured girls go mentally? Because I guess it's a space where your identity is taken away from you. If you believe that you are just a good rugby sevens player and that's you and without that you'd be nobody, you know, as soon as that, like, injured and which happens all the time in sevens do you see that there there is like a bit of a mental like decline in in their ability to be confident and
1: definitely yeah you see that a lot and I've had my fair share of injuries but it's not even that it's feeling isolated from the rest of the group so while the team's out training you're in the gym by yourself and it can be quite lonely like I've spent so many hours in the gym by myself doing my own rehab And it feels so lonesome in there when you know the rest of the team are out there doing work together and that's really quite lonely and then there's some days where you'll have to spend more time at the um, facility without anyone around or you'll be coming in when girls are having days off and that can really feel like you're being isolated from the team.
0: Do they do much team building? No. Really? No. That just blows my mind. The more I learn about groups, teams and culture... It's it is the the spot where if you want a team to succeed, like the evidence is in our face. Yeah, it's everywhere, and I'm I'm going to use it. But the All Blacks are a classic example, and I understand they have a cultural, you know, significance, and they have that heritage that they can build us off. But as Australians, you know, whether I'm half um, Maori or or Uh, i'm indigenous like we need to create a foundation for ourselves because it's like people just like shove it under the carpet yeah
1: i truly believe that everything like if you've got something happening off field that that's going to impact your on-field stuff i believe that if you're gelling off the field like that will enhance your performance on the field and i'll never forget in 2017 we won the dubai sevens and then 2018 if you ask any of the girls that were part of that team in Sydney Sevens and we won and we were the first and only team to have gone through without conceding a single point the whole tournament. Um, we'll all say and I can help hardly say that that was the best tournament I've ever been a part of like it tops winning a gold medal at the Olympics like that was my ultimately favorite tournament I've ever played at and I remember speaking I think it was after the quarterfinal we'd beat Spain in the quarters and I did an interview post-match and someone said, oh, how's the team feeling? Like, do you think you can go all the way? And we still had two games to go and I was like, yeah, like I truly believe like the team's gelling off the field and that we're going to go all the way and win it. And we did. And I was like, I, you can feel it, like, it's an, like that energy is contagious. Like you can tell straight away. And before you run onto a field, I guarantee you, any professional athlete will say you can tell whether the energy is really good and whether you're going to win or lose.
0: 2018. What was the difference What were you doing off-field that was making it, you know, making you feel so good?
1: Yeah, I just think we had a really good year that year. Um, The team was really gelling. We'd obviously won. Dubai was our first tournament and we had a good win over in Dubai. And then it was just kind of a flow on effect from that. We were feeling really good. We had our Christmas break and then we came back, worked really hard, went to Sydney. And I think all the off-field stuff that we'd done together really brought us closer. And then obviously going through and... We had so many great games. No one had scored against us and that lifted the morale as well.
0: Was it? Um, was there any key people who just have that capability of creating that connection? Because obviously, like, you're not meant to like everyone on in your teams, you know, people's personalities clash. It's totally normal. But was there any, like, key people that were, like, really amazing at just sort of uh, creating that camaraderie?
1: I always speak really highly of Emily Cherry. Like, I think Chez is one of the most phenomenal athletes that we've ever seen. And we, I know she doesn't like being referred to, but we call her the GOAT. And that's for so many reasons. Like, she's a beautiful person on and off the field as a player. She's highly respected as a mentor. And I idolised her growing up. But I I agree. Like, you're not going to get on with everyone in your team, but you have to respect everybody. That's the difference. Definitely. Like, I don't have to like and be best friends with all my teammates, but I do have to respect them as athletes.
0: Definitely. What do you think were some of the key like characteristics of Emily Cherry, who which made sort of everyone call her the goat? I know her physical attributes are incredible and her skill is out of control. Yeah. Beautiful person to watch play, but when you talk about off the field, like what were some of the key things that she did that just made everyone just gravitate to her?
1: Okay, this is probably the one thing, and no one will ever know this because we don't speak about it. The stuff that we were training, but like. What I'm about to say will just epitomise Emily Cherry. So she just had a baby and I can't even remember. I think it might have been four or five months post having Alice and she came back in the new year in 2020 and she beat everybody in the yo-yo.
0: Did she? Yep.
1: (laughs) So that's the goat.
0: Oh, my goodness. So her work ethic behind the scenes is just phenomenal. Yeah. Does she ever talk about, like, what she does or she just comes back and does that and then she's like, oh, yeah, I was just, you know, making sure I was training?
1: No, nah, Chez is someone who will never speak about herself. she always just go about everything really silently, but everyone watches and sees what she does and it's so admirable to see someone go about their way like she does. Um, but, yeah, like, Chez is just someone who's just or obviously being so naturally fit, but she works really hard to get to where she is. But yeah, there's a lot of things people don't see about Chez behind the scenes that we do.
0: Does she have any, like, has she had any moments where she's said something to the group and like she's that person that as soon as she starts speaking, everyone just completely stops?
1: Yeah, she's someone that doesn't speak a lot. So when she does speak, like, you know, the room's really captivated. As soon as Chez said something, like, everybody listens. And she's someone that I do look up to as a leader, And I always thought that she would have made a great captain.
0: Do you think she, losing her, has created a significant hole in the group?
1: Um, No, and we're fortunate enough that Chez has stuck around. So when she did announce her retirement to us, it was unknown to the rest of the world, but she was still there with us. Um, She's played a massive role with getting us to the Olympics still. She was still there behind the scenes, working closely in the rehab part with those girls helping them in their rehab but also being someone that if we needed to talk to footy wise or off field like she would always be there for us so it's been really nice to still have her around in some capacity
0: it's really interesting when you talk about her i think about a book i read recently and it pretty much says that for you to feel purposeful and valued in your enlo- in your entire life and if you're dealing with any type of loneliness it's to become a servant and if you are a servant then you will find your purpose and it's that constant understanding of if I see you succeed, I succeed and that's, yep. that. that's our human purpose. Like as human beings, our entire role in life is to make sure we create deep, meaningful relationships with people and by serving others. Yep. And it's interesting, you look at everything sort of comes into perspective and it, it makes so much sense. When you see teams that don't do that, they don't do well. Yep. And you see teams that do it well. Uh, that do that well, they tend to succeed because they have that concept or that understanding of, you know, I'm a servant to you to see you do well and if you're the best person for the job at the time, you deserve it. Yeah, And that's it. And it should never be this I'm versing you, which I find with our young girls coming through, everyone's like, everyone's in competition with each other and it's like
1: that's the polar opposite to our entire cultural being. It definitely is, and that's something that we constantly battle with at Sevens. Is Everyone feels like they're in competition, and you are at some, like, some capacity. Definitely. You are. But I think we get so mixed, like so consumed with focusing on what the other person's doing that we lose ourselves a little bit in what we're doing.
0: How much fun have you had last year in Sevens? I mean, like pure enjoyment moments where you've just gone, man... Like if, if 100% was the entire season of training for the year, give me a percentage of pure enjoyment, like like love, fun, happiness. Because I know it's your job and if I asked any NRL player who's been doing this for years, I bet they'll have the same answer because it is your job and responsibility to perform all the time. Yeah. But in saying that, once you lose your fun or the that – basic passion and reason why you play it makes sense why people struggle
1: last year was a tough one obviously with the pandemic but i'd probably say maybe like 10 percent of the year
0: is i enjoyment. enjoyed
1: it but i didn't enjoy the training with the team so when the pandemic hit everyone went home and then myself and a couple of girls stayed in sydney to continue training because obviously the olympics had been postponed yep. so the girls are told well this is your fourth leave. like take it now and I chose to stay in Sydney because um, I had a dog and everything and I didn't want to just, like, move up and just come to, S- yeah. to Brisbane. And I had a friend there and we kept training throughout the pandemic with our coach in our SMC. and I actually had so much fun in that time there because we stripped everything back and I'd just come out of injury. So I, that was another reason I want to leave because I knew I was already so far behind being in rehab. And then literally the day I got out of rehab was the day that the pandemic hit. Really? Yeah. Oh, so I was like, okay, well, now like, I'm going to be even further behind. So I stayed in Sydney knowing that, like, this is going to be the best opportunity I'll give myself. And that was the most fun I'd had that whole year, was training with no pressure, like, just having that time to, like, get my body right with no pressure of tournaments coming up, no deadlines to make. And then we were just in the gym. It was just myself and my housemate, Cassie, were in the gym doing our own thing, like, and that was the most fun I had last year. But aside from that, like, unfortunately, it wasn't fun for me.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. It makes so much sense. Everything we talk about around identity and lack of social media, the gap between girls, what who they perceive themselves as and who they want to show to the world and the lack of knowledge and understanding about who they are. It's, everything just makes sense about why culturally we struggle. Therefore, success is getting further and further away for us.
1: And I remember speaking to some kids one time and I said to them, I was like, you're lucky because when you're in school, like school's kind of your job, you've got to rock up to school, but then you can go to footy and that's your fun, that's your outlet, where for us that's not like footy's not the outlet for us anymore. Footy's our job, footy's our nine to five. And then when we don't have footy, like we don't have the luxury of going and playing more footy for fun or doing something unless it's like reading a book or colouring or painting, something that requires zero physical effort.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, for you, I guess now, what is life, you know, what's life away from footy look like in regards to what are your things you love or passionate about? Or is that something that you're just starting to sort of consider? Because I was speaking to a friend of mine um, and he is sort of in the last few years of his NRL contract and I was like, what do you like? And he was like, oh, sort of like golf, but I'm not really good at it. And I was like, okay, (laughs) let's expand. (laughs) But, you know, when you're so ingrained and it's your job and you don't have time sometimes to look elsewhere, but what are some of the things that you'd love to look at doing or aspirations in the future?
1: I jokingly, well, not jokingly, but I'm always just like, just have babies. Finish (laughs) footy and have babies. (laughs) Yeah. But I haven't thought about it too much. But I know now, like, my time is probably coming to an end with footy soon. Um, Like, the next Olympics is three years away, and I don't know if I'll get there. Um, The NRL's there. And I said to Glenn, like, I know footy will always be a part of my future, but I do now have to look at the other side of what I want to do. And since being home post-Tokyo, I've had a lot to do with um, coaching little kids. So I've actually really enjoyed that. Yeah. And even speaking to a lot of their parents, like there's such a big gap there where these kids don't have pathways. And so I've sat there the last couple of weeks to speaking to parents, being like, well, maybe this is where I can come in and help. Maybe Definitely. I can bridge this gap for kids. Because there's so many young girls down at the local club, down at Caboolture, that really want to play And their parents are like, well, where do we take them? And I was like, I don't know. Sorry, I haven't been here for eight years. I couldn't tell you.
0: Yeah, there is a gap. There is definitely a gap in the north side compared to the south side with the Polynesians uh, in like southeast Queensland, down in Logan, Coomera, Kibra Park, Marsden. We've just got such a huge, incredible community that get behind and volunteer for our young girls. And I think that's where I know the north side are just starting to get more people volunteering, but the amount of the populated group down there who love rugby league or rugby union. You know, every mum and dad are involved in a club somehow helping out. So it is definitely a space where like you giving back, it just be so fulfilling.
1: Yeah, and that's what a lot of the parents said. They're like the north side and the south side, like you can see the difference even when they go to school level footy and they're like, But it's just too far to take our kids. But some parents like we just don't have any other option. And then that's when you start losing kids to other sports and that's 10-year-old kids. So, you know, now you see why girls who are 20, 21, having to make those choices and like, well, if we can keep them through grassroots and rugby, there's a high chance we can keep them up there when they become elite athletes. Definitely. And I,
0: I want to talk about you as a person. So only in the last year and reading have I started to realise who I am as a person and the values I want to portray as the best version of myself. And I want to know what – I guess if we put Varney like as the best version of herself, you know, wherever it is, five years down the track, ten years down the track, wherever, what would be the key values you would like to have that you might not have now? So for me it's – there's so many values that I currently don't demonstrate that I want to achieve Um, but it was like uh, to constantly be genuine – kind, hardworking and determined or like mine. What do you reckon yours if like we just – I know I'm so throwing you under the bus <laughs> a little bit here. but no, that's fine. <laughs> but um, I'm really interested because I feel like it's something that I wish I had more conversations with people about this yeah. because it's like that deeper meaning that you just don't touch on over coffee. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I think – and this is just going to sound really probably plain to people but I – when I look at my future, like I genuinely just want to be really happy doing what I've been doing. Like I've had the dream job for eight years, but to some extent I haven't been happy the whole time. So to me like that doesn't feel successful. Yeah. So whatever I do in my future, I just hope that I want to be happy and just love myself. And I, I, we've talked about books a lot now and I've read a book as well and I can't remember which one it was. Um... And I remember there was a question in the book that, that someone posed and it was like, if someone asked you to name all the things that you love, how long would it take you or would you even say yourself? And that's a point that I want to get to is that like when people ask me like what do I love in my life, I can name all that stuff but I can also happily say that I love myself and the person that I've become.
0: Definitely. There's such a gap for that at the moment. I guess that's that's pretty much it. I I really love this chat.
1: No, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> no, I really appreciate
0: your time. There's so much more I could ask you just about rugby. and, But I guess hopefully the next one's more about like you and growth and change and what the world's going to look like for you in the next five, ten years because there's so much incredibly exciting space for women in sport, not as a player. Yep. And one of my friends at the moment has just started her own – it's called um, Level Playing Field for anyone sports agency – She's the most beautiful person, and it's all about like women and equality for female athletes, yeah. and just like that, it's brand new first agency for females, sort of starting up. And then, you know, people are getting into uh, well-being, others are getting into promotion and marketing for women's sport, and the, the growth in this space is just going to be enormous. Yeah.
1: And I think it's really exciting because people want to see women do well now; like it's everywhere. Like, if you're a woman coming out and you're going to promote something, people will support you as long as, you know, you're out there and you're giving 100% of your authentic self. So it's really exciting that this space is untapped, but there's more women tapping into it.
0: Definitely. So next year, back down to Sydney, or is it this year you go back down?
1: Um, so I was meant to I was meant to be playing the NRLW this yes. year, and that's been postponed to Jan, which was when I was initially meant to go back down to Sydney, so... I'm going to have to have a couple of conversations in the next few weeks or months with them. Um, Figure out everything.
0: Yeah. It's but. really uncertain, hey, with COVID. You just sort of don't know what's going on. Yeah.
1: And that's the hard thing. Like the NRL are there saying that they're going to definitely put on a competition for the women. And then I have chats with rugby and obviously our tournament's international. And it's really hard to guarantee that. So at this point in time in my life, like, I'm just itching to play some footy, Yeah, I just want game time and I guess it's just going to be whoever can guarantee me that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate your time and we'll talk to you soon.
1: You've been listening to the Challenge Her podcast with Morgan Teoka. Follow, rate and share to help empower and educate young women.